Well, it is good to be here at this historical church. Uh, you're well known all over the country, all over the world, really. And uh, Brother Van Gilderen is certainly a leader in fundamentalism, and we appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, I've been treated so nicely since I've been here. Brother Gilmore uh, has been so nice. And uh, he took me to see the falls and all the ice. That just thrilled me. <laughs> but I, I did enjoy going to see it. And he is a grandfather now. Look at the ties wearing. He, he said that's in honor of the, the grandbaby. A little girl, he'll never be the same and he'll spoil her to death. How many grandparents would say, yeah, that's true. He'll spoil her to death. But congratulations on that. But it's so good to be here, and, and we do believe in faith promise missions, and uh, thank God I've been able to be involved in that and lead uh, churches in faith promise giving, and God has blessed that, and your giving is great. I loved that report uh, earlier, and just tremendous what God is doing, and per capita, your church is giving way, way above a lot of churches across the nation. But God blesses you for that, doesn't he? And he is going to bless you for that. Well, one of my favorite Beatitudes is blessed is the pastor that gets airborne without using too much runway. So if you will, take your Bible. Somebody said if you can't strike O on 30 minutes, you ought to quit boring. But I don't know how I'll do with that. But anyway, Genesis 22. Let's turn there, please. I want to talk to you about the giving of Abraham. The giving of Abraham, Genesis 22. And we'll begin reading with verse 1, reading through verse 12. You're very familiar with this passage, no doubt. But repetition is the art of learning, so we'll go over it again. Genesis chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Notice what he did and how he obeyed. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go up yonder and worship and he doesn't say, and might come back again, does he? And come again to you. That's faith. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Underscore that word himself. 
Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. In the churches, we have different kinds of givers, don't we? We have different kinds of givers like tippers in churches. Now, I've pastored 50 years, and I know what I'm talking about here. Uh, I didn't always meddle in the records, preacher, but I always knew the secretary would give me some clues. But anyway, there are a lot of different people in the church, and you watch. They're just tippers, $1 service, and they think they've done God a real big favor. Now, if it's a widow lady and a widow's might, we understand that, and that's good. You have those that are on the entertainment level. Uh, back in Fort Worth, my wife and I sometimes go to Bass Hall to the Fort Worth Symphony, and we enjoy it, and, uh, but we pay to go there, pay the price because we want to be entertained on that occasion. Some people give out of emotional giving. Uh, they hear a sad story and they give. I'm not saying these are all wrong, don't misunderstand, but I'm saying our motivation should be greater than this. But people will give emotionally. If you can give them a sad enough story, they'll reach in the pocketbook and get their money. Some are legal givers. They're afraid if I don't give, then God's going to take my appendix out next month. I'm going to have to go to the hospital. And so legal giving, some impulse, just once in a while they have an impulse to give. But we want to have biblical givers, amen? And so there are different motives for giving, hope of return, obligation, fear of judgment, praise of men. I've seen that, praise of men. Some people give to be noticed, and a lot give for IRS deduction. Pastor, I don't know how much longer we're going to have that privilege. The way things are going right now, that may come up very, very soon. And then their commitment to projects. Some of these are good things. But the giving of Abraham is the giving because of his love for God and the faith that he had in God. I believe Abraham loved God, don't you? I believe he loved God. He didn't always understand what God was doing, but he loved him. And so how was he going to do this? With the giving of Abraham, Abraham had been given the promised seed. This is important. This seed was promised to him that the Messiah was going to come through the lineage of Abraham. And you know the earlier story and the concubine and so on and so forth. You know what took place there, but here God promised that this was going to happen. He had told him that. He had waited probably somewhere around 25 years and he was 100 years of age and Sarah 90 years of age. That's that's pretty fantastic, isn't it? 
God was in this thing and God worked a miracle here and gave him a young lad. Some say he was around 25 years of age. I don't know, but the Bible says that he was a young lad. And to Abraham, I believe this is one of the greatest stories about giving in the whole Bible. When Abraham was willing to do this, this was the most precious thing and promised thing, no doubt, in all of his life. And yet God said, I want you to give him as a sacrifice. That's a pretty tall request, isn't it? Here's the promised seed. We waited, you gave him, and now you're asking me to, to put him on an altar and to give him as a sacrifice. So here's some principles we'll share very quickly as to why Abraham did this and some principles we need to have in our life. Number one, and this is basic, but it's the basic stewardship concept, and that is what? That is the ownership of God. The ownership of God. <clears throat> you say, that's elementary, that's basic. Well, may I say to you that a lot of people hadn't got it yet? It may be basic, but we have to understand this. God gave Isaac. He knew, Abraham knew that God had done that, that he was God's, and this was miraculous. These were circumstances later in their lives, and God gave him Isaac. He knew that Isaac didn't really belong to him. By the way, your children don't necessarily just belong to you. They belong to God. That's why some of you parents who don't want your children to go to the mission field and you think they belong to you and God calls them, you should let them go because they belong to God. But Psalm 24, 1 reminds us, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Everything belongs to God. Everything. That leaves nothing out. And stewards are not owners of our properties. We think we are, but we're really not. Luke 19, 13, and he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. He called his 10 what? Servants. He owned it. That's typical of what he wants us to see about his ownership. I like this quote that I ran across. When we give an offering, we're not really giving to God. We're just taking our hands off what already belongs to him. And that's so true, isn't it? Well, I know there's a, a way that we say, yeah, we are giving to God, but really it already belongs to him. Someone has said it this way, Christians should live and give for that which matters most. Are you living and giving today for that which matters most? Are you sure? Have you, have you done an inventory lately? of your own personal walk and spiritual life with God. We need to live simply so others can simply live. That is, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is the right attitude for us. Our possessions are not really ours. Our possession belongs to God. God owns everything. And we need to understand that. And then it's a lot easier for us to do what God tells us to do. Here's the second principle. Abraham never questioned God's right to ask, never questioned God's right to ask are the conditions of giving. Back in verses 2 and 3, 
God said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. Mount Moriah, which is now uh, the temple site, now later where offerings were offered and all, but he told him to go there. He told him that he was to do exactly what he had commanded him to do. Now, Abraham didn't rationalize. Abraham did not spiritualize or dispensationalize this request, this order that God gave him. He might have said, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. This is totally illogical. And I can't understand, I can't grasp this. But you said do it, but it's not really logical. And so I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing, but I believe in his heart he was willing to follow the Lord. And he said, you've given me the promised seed and now you want me to give the promised seed back to you. I've heard every kind of excuse in the world from people about not giving. I remember a man telling me once, he said, well, I just don't tithe and I don't give because the Bible, they always like to quote the Bible. In 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, take those that, uh, or those rather that do not take care of their house, their household are worse than an infidel. So he says, I can't afford to give. I can't give. Listen, you give and God will take care of your household. Amen. You give and, and things will get better for you and uh, you won't have that excuse. <clears throat> Many try to explain away God's commands. Elijah went to the widow woman of Zarephath and she could have said, Elijah, you're crazy. I'm not going to give you my little handful of the grain that I have and and I'm not going to bring you any water. I'm not going to do those things. It makes no sense. But she believed the man of God and she did what he said. Let me ask you, did it pay off for her? It really did pay off for her. So God told him to give, even though it may not have made sense. And a lot of people don't understand faith promise giving. To them, it may not make sense. It, it just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. God also told him where to give. He said, go, into the mount, go to Mount Moriah and go up on that mountain. Why God chose that one and why, I think, because later on of what we know about it. But he said, I want you to go to this place and I want you to give the offering at this place. God told him where to give. May I remind you that our giving should be through the local New Testament church. I give tithes and offering and faith promise giving, but I give it through the local New Testament church. That's not to say you can't help somebody with their groceries on the side, but I'm telling you the church is where it is. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, you know this verse. Upon the first day of the week, we ought to be in church, amen? Let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. That is not, he's, he's not saying parachurch ministries. They have their place. But the main place is the local New Testament church. Bring your tithes and your offerings, your faith promise. Run those to the local New Testament church. There are lots of good reasons for that, but mainly God gave us the pattern. Well, Abraham never questioned God's right or the conditions of giving. And then God asked him to give. And it wasn't for God's benefit or God's sake but primarily for Abraham's sake. You see, God doesn't need enrichment in the truest sense of the word. God doesn't need enrichment. He owns it all. He has everything. 
And he doesn't need enrichment. But Abraham was commanded by God to do this, to do a couple of things, I think. Number one, to mature Abraham, to mature him, and then to increase his faith. Let me ask you this. Do you think that after this whole occasion took place, <clears throat> that Abraham may have had more faith? I believe he did. After he went through that experience and saw what God did, I believe it gave him more faith. And we, I, I believe that we, if we give in faith promise missions, uh, we are giving and our faith is increased. And I want to tell you, it's an exciting life to do that and watch God work. And our faith is, is completed or it is emboldened as we give and we give not by sight, but by faith. Verse 1 says that God did tempt Abraham. What does that mean? He didn't tempt him with evil, but he tested him. And God may want to test you too to see just where your heart really is. And then Abraham never regretted what he gave to God. He never regretted what he gave to God. What you give to God basically is all you'll ever keep. What you give to God is all you'll ever keep. You'll, and you'll never lose what you give to God. Matthew 6, 19, you're familiar. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Wow, do we, really, do we really believe that? Do we really practice that? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. What a powerful verse that is. The only investment that you can make that will never be endangered is your investment in the work of God. One time I was, when I was pastoring in Indiana, I went out to Texas for a national meeting and then my brother lived there in the Fort Worth area. And so we were riding together. He said, uh, I want to show you my gold. I said, oh, you got gold. And he said, yeah, listen, I got to stop by the bank, but I want to go in and, and uh, show you the gold that I have there. And we went in and he said, I paid X number of dollars way up there for this gold. And he said, I was talked into it and I thought it was the right thing to do. And if you're investing in gold, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling about his experience. And he said, yeah, it's worth about half what it was. And I don't know who wound up with the gold coins that he had and all of that. I'm not sure about that. But he lost a lot in that investment. And some of you can relate to that in different ways. Uh, but I can tell you that what you give to God's work and the souls that get saved and the results up in heaven and all that goes on there, that's the only thing, my dear friend, that you're going to keep. Lay up treasures in heaven, not down here. We are in a culture and a society now that is mad driven for money. Uh, all of these liberals that we see and listen to and uh, some of their motivation is all about money. How much, how many millions can I get? <clears throat> now, if God blesses you, I'm not against millionaires. I have a dear friend that is a multimillionaire, but he, he lives very frugally and if he were around you, you wouldn't even know it. But he gives so much money to God's work. That's fine. But I'm telling you, that's where it is, giving it to God's work. 
you're not going, and you've heard it before, you're not going to take it with you. There are no pockets basically in a shroud. Uh, Sometimes the funeral homes provide the the suit and they're cut in the back and they just wrap them around them and there are no pockets. They're not going to need. It reminds me of the four Jewish guys. One of them died and I'm not anti-Semitic. I hope you understand that. But these four Jewish guys were very uh, involved in money and making money. One of them passed away. They were going by his casket. Two of the brothers put in $1,000 apiece. And so the fourth brother came by and he said, this doesn't make any sense. And he took out his checkbook and wrote a check for $3,000 and picked up the $2,000. You see, you're not going to take it with you, friend. You're not going to take it with you. Then Abraham's giving was not the tithe, but faith giving. That's, that's the real emphasis here, is Abraham's giving was not the tithe, but it was faith giving. By the way, the tithe belongs to the Lord, right? I mean, up front. And if you haven't learned that yet, I don't know how to say this, preacher. I want to say it very kindly. You're a thief. <laughs> you say, what do you mean? Well, look, what, what would you do if the offering plate is passed around and you have some of these men watching and they see somebody reach in there and you take about $50 out of the offering plate? Well, what would you want to do? You'd want to say, hey, security, talk to that guy. He just stole $50. It's no different if you're a Christian and you're robbing God of your tithe. You're doing the very same thing. It already belongs to God. Giving is out of what you already have. Your tithe, your giving. And that's the Lord's, the tithe belongs to Him. And so Abraham believed in the tithe. I don't have time to read all the verses. But he said, Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of spoils. He knew what it was to tithe. And of course, you're familiar with this being, I think, a Christophany and all of all that took place. And he tithed. Now, a faith Listen to this statement. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Do you really have faith? A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. What we do is we figure out most everything that we think we can do. And I want to tell you, honestly, sometimes it's that way in faith promise. We sort of rationalize and think about it. and do it. That's not what we're talking about in faith promise. We, we are not to try to figure it out. Abraham's giving of Isaac was faith giving. I say it took a lot of faith for him to go up there. A lot of faith for him to raise that knife and get ready to come down and God stop him. It took faith on his part. But God promised the Messiah through, Israel, through Isaac. Abraham just believed God. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting, accounting that God was able to raise him up. Even if he killed him, he believed God to raise him up. Even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now let's cover very quickly in the next two or three minutes. What is faith promise? 
You've heard, no doubt, a number of messages. But I want to tell you about that. It's not a clever gimmick. gimmick. It's not prosperity theology. Name it and claim it. Get your Rolex and your Rolls Royce and all that other. That's not what we're talking about in faith promise. Those motives are all different and all wrong and all materialistic primarily. But faith promise is giving by faith what you don't already have and backing up in what's God give, give it back. And when he gives it back, you go ahead and give it. If you wait till he gives it to you and you give it, that's not faith. That's not faith. Well, it may take an element of faith, but it's not what we're talking about. Whenever you give by faith, <clears throat> you back up and watch God give that to you in whatever means and measures he wants to do. And I promise you, he will do it. And he'll do it. Additional income can be supplied by faith and by prayer. And ordinary offering comes from what we have, but not our ability to give, but on our faith in God to provide the means that's faith promise. For to their power, 2 Corinthians 8, 3, I bear record, and yea, and beyond their power. That's what we're talking about. They were willing of themselves. George Mueller, 10,000 orphans, and he took care of them by faith. And he made this statement, there is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Think about that. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Isn't that true? That's what real faith is. And he needed to feed one time 300 kids. If my records are right, what I've read, they had no food. He set them down at the table and had prayer and there was a knock on the door and a woman had the bread and then there was a knock on the door and there was a man that had 10 large cans of milk, enough to have milk for the 300 children. He lived by faith and that's what God wants us to do. When we first started Faith Promise, my wife and I, we, uh, it was a little uh, shaky for us. Uh, usually, a lot of times in your first pastorate, uh, especially if it's a smaller work, and it depends on a lot of different things, they'll say, God, uh, you, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. <laughs> and so, but uh, I hope churches don't do that. They shouldn't do that. Take care of God's man, amen? God's men. And God will bless you for that. But uh, we had to give, and we gave by faith. I mean, it was faith. Our budget was, was just so slim, and we gave by faith. Well, that was on a Sunday night, and on Monday, a man came by our door, knocked on the door in the parsonage, which is right by the church, church building, and he was uh, dressed in gray clothes, had a beard, looked sort of like Santa Claus. I'm not endorsing him, but it looked sort of like Santa Claus, and this man said, you don't know me, and uh, he said, but God laid it on my heart to tell you today that every week for as long as you're here, I'm going to bring you a dozen eggs. You say, well, that's nothing. Yeah, it was too. It was to us. And it was God working. That same week, somebody brought by a check that we didn't expect. God immediately verified for us that he was going to take care of us. And I can tell you 
that God has blessed us tremendously. Over the years, we're not wealthy, but God has blessed us. And there's never been a need that we had in our life that God didn't meet it. One time I'd worn a car out just completely. It was just so many miles on it. And our treasurer of the church called me on a Monday. I was out mowing the yard, had about an acre to mow. And he said, uh, I'm over here getting my car serviced. And he said, you said if I ever sold it, uh, you'd like to buy it. And I said, yeah, because they took care of it. He and his wife, I mean, they took care of it and kept it in the garage and all of those other things. He had a beautiful Mercury marquee. Had about 43,000 miles on it. And he said, well, are you still interested? I said, well, Brother McCurdy, yeah, I am. But I said, I'll have to think about it and see if I could. I said, what do you want for it? He said, nothing, zero. I said, uh, say that again, Brother McCurdy. He said, zero. If you want it, you've got it. And that's just one simple illustration of how God can bless faith promise. And he meets our needs in different ways. And when I went to Worth Baptist Church and introduced faith promise, they were giving a percentage of their budget when I went there, and that was good. But we wanted to up it. We wanted to see God work. And we instituted faith promise. And it's been such a blessing to that church. And it was funny, I gave that illustration in that night when I went back to my office uh, after we talked about the illustration Sunday morning, guess what was sitting outside my door? A dozen eggs. It was like God said, I'm just going to keep this going and I'm going to verify that you're right on. And so my wife and I laughed about that and it was a real special blessing. Well, let's close out. Let's bow our heads. I hope you understand that faith giving is not out of what you already have. It's giving it by faith, committing to it by faith, and then watching God take care of it. And here's my challenge. Uh, by the way, this story, if you're here and you're unsaved, the ending of that story was that God intervened. Listen carefully. God intervened, and Isaac didn't have to die. He's a type of you and me as a sinner. And God provided a ram caught in the thicket. That's a type of Jesus. And may I say to you that if you're here without Christ and you're not born again or you're watching by live stream, listen, friend, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And he's your substitute. He died for you. And you don't want to die and go to hell. And I want to challenge you today to start giving, certainly to give to faith promise. If you're already giving by God's grace, say, I'm going to give more by faith today. You're already giving. You've made some commitments in the past and thank God for that, but I'm going to increase my giving by faith when we take the commitments tonight. Abraham had faith and we need to have that kind of faith. And then I want to challenge some of you to remember the underlying principle of the whole thing is that we need money to support missionaries to go to foreign fields and to take the gospel to people around the world. And maybe some one of you here today, you could not invest your life in anything any better than to surrender your life to go to the mission field. You could not. And don't fight it. If God's calling you, you may have questions, but I'm telling you, he'll take care of all the answers. 
You just let go and let God. And don't hold back. If God's calling you to the mission field, surrender to go. Surrender to go. We want to hit that goal. The praise goal is good, 7,000. The victory goal is 7,300. But I sort of like Baptists that say, hallelujah. And let's reach that 7,500 goal in the next two or three weeks and God will bless you for it. May you do some business with God today. If you're here and you're not saved, come forward. If you're here and uh, somehow you've gotten away from God, come forward and make your commitment to the Lord. That's a good thing to do and do what God tells you to do. But if he calls you to the mission field, without waiting, come and surrender your life.